What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Ponko Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Shambly. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponko is awesome and uh, they're like family. So um, go check out Ponko if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese-American chicken tender. Just to brag on them a little bit more, they were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta award winner, um, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponko is great and Ponko is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out chasemonspodcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast will be there. So go do that today. Um, all right. I think that's everything. We can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Welcome back to a Thursday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by Josh Matthews from Impact Wrestling. Josh, good afternoon, sir. How are you doing? I'm good, Chase. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for being here. Um, I. If, if just I have a lot of questions for you, but the first thing I want to start off um, with you right now is that you are lead commentator, play-by-play in Impact Wrestling, and uh, you've been doing this for a while now. I want I want to kind of know from transitioning to backstage interviewer and all the different things you were doing previously in your career. How comfortable are you now in the role as a lead play-by-play guy? Well, I think that I am uh, completely comfortable in the role um, and so immersed in what we do here at Impact um, b- because it is also my, you know, my my day job, <laughs> you know, not just uh, the commentary, but also, you know, everything else that I do with the company that it's it's very easy to sit down for me and to be able to call our show um, with relatively not a lot of prep work, not a lot of notes. Um, uh, on our characters, on our talent, because, you know, it, it is, you know, almost like a, uh, 24, seven, seven day a week, um, endeavor that we're all kind of, uh, a part of. So it's, it's a lifestyle as well as a, as a career choice. 
Well, you mentioned all the different things that you're involved with. So, what else do you, um, what else are you involved with behind the scenes in Impact? Well, my official title uh, is Vice President of Operations, which is pretty vague and and, and wide open. Um, but it's right. it's dealing with. I, I get to work with every department in the company, which is pretty cool. Um, whether we're working on a new T-shirt, uh, whether we're working on DVDs, whether we're working on um, the look and feel for our next pay-per-view, um, production, pre-production. Um, you, you, hey, we're getting ready to go do you know Slammiversary. Um, in a couple of months. So we have a weekly production call and, and figuring out uh, every logistic from seating maps to uh, how the merch is going to look to, to really just being involved in, in the whole process um, that I really, you know, in WWE, you're a cog in the wheel and, you know, you just do your thing and, you know, you, you, you leave. Right. And then, um, um, you know, here it's just, we get the opportunity to do so much and to, and to step into roles that, you know, we perhaps wanted to try. Um, and, you know, you get the chance to do that here, which is very cool. Has your job changed at all since uh, COVID-19? I mean, honestly, other than the shows not taking place um, as usual, um, not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're still calling the shows like, like we normally would. Um, well, I, I take that back. We, we call the shows from ringside. Um, you know, we're calling the shows yeah. from home now. Um, but other than that and, and, and not being able to like, you know, I, I broke out my calendar today and, you know, we were probably should be getting ready to go to TV here soon. And, you know, that's obviously changed. Um, but you know, it's still kind mm-hmm. of business as usual. And we've got a chance to sort of step back and do the things that we always talk about wanting to do. Um, but there's just no time. So, you know, Scott DeMore yeah. and I have really, you know, kind of thought, you know, okay, what, what, what can we do that we, that we wanted to do that we haven't done? It's like, you know, who can we talk to about creating this or coming out with this product or whatever the case may be? And we've, had, we've been really able to, over the last two weeks, have those conversations. And I think because of what's going on, we're going to get a chance to do the things that we want to do. And I, I'm being vague on purpose, uh, but there are a lot yeah. of things that we've wanted to create that I think over the last couple of weeks, we've been able to kind of start that process. And I think that's my favorite thing about Impact right now is the different, what I think you guys do really, really well is the introduction of characters and giving them these different identities and letting them just be extremely creative in uh, what they want to do in their vision, whether it's from James Mitchell and the Havoc and all that kind of stuff, or the Deaners just hanging out, being rednecks and interrupting their neighbors. Like, I think they just do, you do a very good job of giving, um, wrestlers an opportunity to really showcase themselves and stand out from the rest of the pack so i i think that's cool and i hope we get to see more of that in the coming weeks um in your estimation what is the hardest part about being a play-by-play commentator that most professional wrestling fans would not be attuned to um i that's a tough question um i mean the hardest thing is 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 driving well the hardest thing is probably trying as hard as you can to make sure that the fans are understanding, you know, what these people on the screen are going through, what, um, what the athletes like, there's a match, um, next week's show between Rohit and Trey. It's, uh, in the opening round of the number one contenders tournament and, Great you know, promo for 15, from him this week. 
Yeah, well, he's really coming into his own. I actually sent him a message this morning uh, and told him h- how well I thought he was doing. And it, that match between Rohit and Trey that you're going to see Tuesday is, 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 is sensational. And these guys are giving it their all um, for an opportunity that maybe somebody like a Rohit Raju or a Trey might not get to become number one contender for the world championship. And, and, and to me, that's the hardest thing. And, and when we're done, it's like, did we do enough? Did we, you know, convey enough what these guys are going through? Are we using our words uh, and the words the best that we can? And, and that's another thing that this um, pandemic has done for me really is uh, working with my wife on commentary and she's never done it before. Yeah. Uh, well, she's very, very limited amount in what she's done. Um, and, and we've done a lot of prep work. And, and she asked me the other day, like, are we doing this because like I'm, I'm new or, and I said, no, I said, this is what you do. Like, you know, if you have the time, you know, when I was in WWE, I'd be the first person at the building every Tuesday for SmackDown and literally sitting, waiting for the guys to put the announce table together so that I could get to work. Um, and then I would sit wow. there literally un- until the doors opened, just prepping and, and, and going through the show segment by segment, making sure I had everything that needed to be said for that broadcast. Um, so I told her, I said, like, you don't see me do that now because I just don't have time. Like when we're at TV, it's, yeah. it's trying to get as many things done as possible. And, and I don't have the luxury to sit at the table all day and, and just do notes. So when she and I can wake up in the morning and have our morning coffee and kind of talk about like, hey, you know, what what do we do with with Tasha Steeles? Like, well, what's her character? Who is she like? What can we say about her? Um, you know, these are new characters that are coming in that we want to do the best that we can. So they connect with the fans and ultimately, you know, it, that turns into a, a true connection and, and, you know, people follow along. Yeah. Have you run into any problems with calling, um, calling matches and re- just working with your wife play by play and just in terms of like constructive criticism and things like that, where I, I do wonder, um, like you said, she's new at this and yet y'all are getting a feel for things, but it's just a different dynamic because you're, you're actually married and your partner's on screen and off screen. I mean, honestly, no, we, we've, we've had a blast doing this together. I think she's done a great mm-hmm. job. Um, and you know, other than the fact that we are also teachers to a first grader during this time, we are trying to do the other things that we need to do in our careers. She just had finals yeah. this week because um, she's wrapping up her, her <laughs> college education uh, and, and looking to, awesome. you know, where she's going. Yeah, and where she's going next in her career. Other than all of those things, um, no, but it's, it's, it's been, um, I, I told someone this the other day, um, actually, uh, I was messaging with uh, one of the released WWE talents and, and we were catching up and I said, you know, we, we, she and I have never been closer. Like this, this whole thing has kind of, you know, forced us to, to really like, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people's relationships were put under a microscope during this time frame, and, and I think we've done a really great job of, of, of flourishing through. How has impact changed over the years since you've been there? What have you noticed that looking back now, you're like, wow, I can't believe this is what it looks like versus what it looked like then. It, it was just, I mean, this is no disrespect to, to when I first came here, because if I wasn't brought in by, um, you know, John Gaborik and then, you know, uh, had the relationship that I had with Dixie and then continued that relationship um, onward with, with, with everyone else that came in, um, it was just messy, man. It was just nobody mm-hmm. knew kind of, you know, who did what. And, and it was just really like, um, 
Dixie may make a phone call to somebody about something and it was literally like, you're just calling the wrong person um, to get this question answered, but shame on the person that she was calling. Cause they would try to make up an answer. Right. Cause it's like, Oh, the boss is calling yeah. me. I'll just make something up instead of like, Hey, that's a so-and-so question or that's a this person question. Like, and it just, things would just get so murky and, and, you know, you just didn't know who to call when what was going on. And, and it was, it was tough, man. I'll be honest. Um, when I first came here and, and, you know, cause I wanted to be fully immersed. So I, I moved to Nashville from Connecticut and went to the office every day. Um, and it was just, um, you know, I had two offers on the table when I left, um, WWE and, and TNA was literally the, the same day that, um, I was released from WWE. Um, I had an offer from TNA like four hours later. Um, and then I was wow. waiting out my note, my, yeah, it was pretty cool, man. And then I was waiting out my no compete clause. And during that time frame, Lucha Underground started and, and I had a conversation yeah. with them about going there and, and ultimately decided to, to come to, to Nashville. Um, you know, obviously I'm glad with the decision that I made, but, um, I, I, I second guessed it quite a few times while I was there. I mean, that's human. It's you, you never know when you come to these forks in the road in your life and you, you just wonder, but, um, I would agree. I think, uh, between the two, you, uh, you made the right decision. Um, rebellion two nights. It, I very much enjoyed the show. It got a positive response from a lot of pro wrestling fans. Um, what did you think of the show and what stood out the most to you? I think as hard as everybody worked, that's what stands out to me. Um, I thought the matches were really good. I thought that the guys, um, really worked as hard as they could. I thought that our presentation of an empty arena was better than, than anybody else's presentation of an empty arena. And I thought that, you know, it was lit really nice. Um, you know, that studio in Nashville is, is beautiful. Um, and I just think that, uh, over everything, right? Like when you look at, when you are checking boxes, it's like, okay, so how does it look? How are the talent performing? How does it sound? Um, and then the matches that were, that were, that took place were, were outstanding. And, and, you know, that crew, like we will remember that going and doing what we did, um, for the rest of our lives. Like everybody that said, you know what, I, I'm going, um, everybody that thought about it and, and made the decision to go and, and to do this. Like for me, it was no, like you were going to have to fight me away with, with, with a stick. Like there was no way I wasn't going to be a part of that. <laughs> And then to watch, you know, my wife get the opportunity to produce matches and, and shine in, in that role. And, and the girls had extraordinary matches. And it was just something that, you know, I will, um, you know, we got home and, and Scott Moore and I jumped on the phone uh, Easter Sunday and talked for over an hour about how, how proud we were. And then, you know, to, to now be three or four weeks removed and, and everybody's in a good place. Um, you know, everybody's happy, healthy and, and all of that stuff. Um, you know, it's just, you know, it, it, it's really cool that we were able to do that. Who would you consider right now when you're looking at the roster, who would you consider the building blocks for this new era of impact wrestling? And there's so many young guys, right? Like we have such a great roster. Uh, I love the rascals, um, Trey, Wentz and Dez, yeah. and I can't wait to see what those dudes do in their careers. Um, I think we're just scratching he had, he had the surface. another great promo a couple of weeks ago, like his, um, sit down where I forgot, um, who the interviewer was, um, from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you could probably help me out here. I forgot who it was, but she was very good, 
um, just letting him run. Like he he got a solid amount of time. It was ten minutes, but in my notes from a couple weeks ago, who was, was like, the interview with? Good. It was with one of the rascals. Uh, yes, it was with Des. Oh, okay, uh, it was probably Gia Miller then. She's our new uh, backstage interviewer. I think that's who it was. Yeah, but it was, gotcha. it was great. Okay. It was like ten minutes. It was it was it was really good. It let him just give a lot of who he is. Like I out of the three, um, this is just my personal perspective. He is he stands out to me of like, oh, this guy, I, I could see it here. This this is something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those guys are awesome. Um, and then you have like someone like Ace Austin, who's I think going to be really really yeah. good. Um, uh, I mean, some of the new girls that are coming in, uh, Kylie Ray, Tasha Steeles, I think they're going to be uh, incredibly valuable to the brand. And, you know, young, hungry athletes that, you know, Chris Bay comes to mind um, that all want to prove themselves. Um, you know, and then you have the guys that have been here for a while, like Moose and Eddie Edwards and, um, you know, Michael Elgin, who's now over a year here. Um, you know, those guys also want to prove you know, that they are in the spots that they're in for a reason. What are your future goals in impact wrestling? When you're looking at the next five to 10 years, what, what do you see and what do you, where, where do you want to be with impact and what do you want to see impact become? I mean, I just think we need to keep growing and keep taking the, the right steps, the appropriate steps, the not leaps and bounds, but you know, if you equate it to football, you know, maybe we're moving the ball four or five yards on every play um, and, and then taking the, the calculated risks when they need to be taken. Um, but I think the roster is being built in, in an amazing way. I think that the, the way talent are being treated um, over the last two years has is, is been phenomenal. I don't think that anybody um, could complain about how we treat talent or how they're um, dealt with. Um, you know, D'Lo Brown has come in as the head of talent relations and, and, you know, another department I get to work with. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's been phenomenal. And I think that, um, you know, from, from all the way at the tip, tip top to all the way at the very bottom, I think that everybody believes in this product and believes, um, in what we're doing and, you know, five, 10 years, hopefully, you know, we've just continued to grow and continue to build and um, continue to be successful. Last question, and we'll wrap up here, Josh. Um, you knew I was going to ask you this question. I, I'm sure there are certain things you can't say about this question, but I want to ask it anyway. Um, who would you like, of all the recent free agents that have um, that have come about in the last month or so, who would you like most, or do you think would fit most in Impact Wrestling? Well, I mean, I certainly don't mind answering the question because it's, you know, we're all playing fantasy booker, right? And when this happened, obviously yes. there were phone calls and, and we were talking about, okay, what about this or that or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, obviously EC3 was already here and, and has a, a yeah. legacy with this company. Um, you know, so, so could he come back and, and do something extraordinary? Um, I think Rusev is probably at the top of a lot of people's list. I have a great um, uh, rapport with Zack Ryder. Um, I think that he could, he could do something spectacular. I mean, you have to remember that Zack was, um, really coming into his own and started the YouTube thing and started his show and was really starting to organically get over. And that wasn't what, uh, WWE wanted, right? Big so they kind of, that company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, you know, and, and Hey, look, it's, that's the way that they do things. Right. And, and I spent a couple of years, um, <laughs> bashing them upon my uh, release, but I, you know, there's no ill will for me towards them at, at this point in life. And 
Um, but that's just the way they do things. And, you know, so I think that someone right. like, like Zach, and, and I'd love to see what those guys do next and, and where they go and what they do. And, and if they end up here, um, cool. I think that, you know, you do get the opportunity to be yourself here and, and, you know, hopefully that's something that, um, you know, you can take and, and, uh, make a career out of. All right, Josh, this has been great. I appreciate you making the time today. Well, is there anything you would like to plug outside of watch impact on access every Tuesday night? Um, is there anything else that you would like to plug uh, for the listeners? Nope. That's it for me. I just hope that everyone keeps watching, keeps giving it a chance. And, uh, the show this coming Tuesday, if you are planning on watching, don't miss the cold open, which is, uh, uh, for everyone that isn't up on industry jargon terms, that's the very beginning of the show. Um, it is, <laughs> I've watched it probably, oh, I don't know, 10 times now. And it is jaw droppingly hilarious, emotional, and it's, uh, it's amazing. Let me just say that the guys in Nashville crushed it with this cold open. Uh, it'll probably be on our socials Tuesday morning, but, uh, man, it's good. Awesome. I'm excited for it. Uh, the promos and the video packages and everything y'all do is, is great. Looks good. Crisp. It's good stuff. So go tune in. Watch out for that. Josh, keep up the great work, sir. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chase. All right, we're back on this Thursday evening edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Trevor Rubb out there in Edmonton, where I just imagine, still covered in snow, ice, everybody's freezing, <laughs> wearing Connor McDavid jerseys. Do I do I have it right? Is that exactly how Edmonton is at this moment, Trevor? No snow, but definitely Connor McDavid jerseys everywhere. I'm looking at one right now in my closet, so <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it very Edmonton-y for them to finally be putting together a good team around Connor and then the season just taken out from under them? Because Edmonton, they, played, they were they were average. They were actually cre- – like average is okay right now for uh, <laughs> for the state of the Oilers and um, everything that goes on with that. Like the Oilers are just fascinating for a multitude of reasons. But um, McDavid oh, yeah. in the playoffs would have been a, a nice thing. I mean, hopefully we still get it and hopefully we get the NHL back. But – um yeah it, it seems like that uh they're trending up right it, it's been tough for connor because you know he missed the olympics too right and then yeah. you take that and then the oilers been struggling so yeah we've we've missed a lot of prime connor mcdavid hockey but he's still real young right so but yeah of course par for the course the Oilers start doing well again and uh and then all of, a, all of a sudden the world sort of takes a sudden turn and uh, there's no more hockey and i'm not exactly uh I'm not exactly sure if it's going to come back right now. It's it's not looking likely, but uh, we'll see. These things tend to move pretty fast. Well, it's also interesting because all these different leagues, based on who plays in their leagues and hockey is different because of the foreign aspect where some mm. players are just gone. They went back home and getting them all back <laughs> and uh, going to Sweden and Finland and wherever else. It's like it's a little yep. more complicated for the NHL to come back than it is for the NBA where everybody uh, I mean, there's a, a handful in France and stuff like that. But like by and large, the the, the majority are are still in America. But then right. it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more trickier. 
Well, there, there was even talks actually that Edmonton might be one of these host cities hmm. where they might finish out the season uh, in just one of five cities. And Edmonton, because we have such a low count when it comes to COVID-19 here, uh, e- even within Alberta, Alberta uh, has two major cities between Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, Calgary has borne the brunt of the virus so far. So Edmonton's kind of been a bit of uh, one of those cities that maybe the NHL might look to, but it's kind of all up in the air still. Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How excited are you about CM Punk returning on SmackDown as the mystery <laughs> hacker? As the mystery hacker, man, it's it's great when the internet goes back to CM Punk rumors because that's how you know things are normal again. <laughs> right, like it, it feels like it, it, everything's back to normal. If, like, if people are wondering if CM Punk's coming back, then you know that wrestling fans are starting to get a little back into the rhythm of things. I, I would be floored. I would be floored if that happened. I just... <laughs> I have some. I don't see it. I mean, he's my, he's probably still my favorite all time professional wrestler, but like, I I don't, I don't know because like ratings are so bad. What did Raw Mm -hmm. get? Like 1.6 that like. 1.6, yep. It's just nothing would really surprise me with Vince McMahon at this point where he had that. Did you watch SmackDown last week? I I did not. No, no. No, Two weeks ago with Triple H, the the 25th anniversary show. (laughs) No, no. Okay, well, I would encourage you to go back and look at Vince when he came out and talked about Triple H and that whole segment and talking about Bailey. Like, it was a bunch of word salad, and it was very just like, oh, this is very Joe Biden-y when he oh. gets alive, Mike. It's it's not good, and uh, <laughs> I, I don't... <laughs> nothing would surprise me with Vince McMahon, I think, at this point in his age and everything else, where it's just like he... The the report that it's like that's the one guy he still wouldn't do business with is Punk, and I'm like, okay, so how is Punk behind Hulk Hogan with everything there? Like Hogan, yeah, we'll we'll do business with him again, but CM Punk, like that's the guy out of all the different professional wrestlers that have walked in and out of that building that like he's the one you want, like you're putting your foot down that you would never do business with. That uh, that just always surprised me and always uh, I don't know, I, I have my doubts about the validity to that, and I also just. See, it it seems silly to me based on who they have welcomed back. I mean, Warrior and everything. Like, there's just so many different examples where it's like, really? Like, are we are we doing this again? Like, this is the guy <laughs> that just we have to draw the line. I I have my doubts, but I also don't think uh, he is the mystery hacker. Um, I think no. it's going to be like Mustafa Ali or something. That's my guess. Yeah, it was Ali, uh, or that there was going to be two, right? So Ali and probably Gable. Mm. Shorty G, does he? I'm not sure which one he goes by now. I'll, I'll always refer to him as Gable because Gable is able. But uh, the thing with CM Punk, though, right, is they already kind of shot their wad with backstage. And I understand that's a Fox show, but still, uh, they kind of had that big reveal. And I mean, it would again just be so, <laughs> just so uh, poetic for CM Punk to come back to WWE when there's no crowd. Uh, that well, would just be. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that, that element, too, is really weird. But. The one report that I do agree with, and I hadn't considered it at the time, was that um, Punk did himself a disservice by returning on backstage because it's such a lesser thing. And like, oh yeah, the the mystery surrounding whether or not he would ever come back to professional wrestling went away. Like he's mm-hmm. on the, like, I, I I hadn't really considered it when he did it, but yeah, I think he did hurt his marketability and his leverage when he came to that show. Like I, I do think that hurt his mystique a little bit. I I agree with it. 
Oh yeah, regardless of, regardless of whether that was a uh, a Fox show, it's still WWE affiliated, and right. that was the return, and it wasn't pulled off very well either. Like with him kind of stepping out of frame and uh, out, out of the light, no less. Uh, it just it really fell flat. And uh, I mean, yeah, it would be great for him to do a comeback, but without the crowd, it kind of takes away that punch. Uh, but again, I think it's all moot uh, because it's definitely Mustafa Ali is the hacker. So. I mean, I don't even know definitely. I I, I don't think they know. I, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this is one of those WWE things where they have a couple people that they are comfortable with revealing as the mystery hacker and yeah. just <laughs> figuring things out. I mean, the original person could have been someone who they just released. We don't know. Like, they might have changed and, like, that might have thrown a wrench in things. Like, I, I don't know what goes on behind there, but I do know that we... I don't know if you've heard this before, uh, Trevor, but uh, things change. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. The plans change. Uh, but the it, it reminds thing, me of. Yeah. Sorry, it reminds me of the Rowan in uh, the cage. Him right. having a cage, and they just they clearly didn't have a plan on where it was going. Uh, it went somewhere, all right. <laughs> yeah, that um, was not great. Um, but you know what? Last thing on WWE before we talk a lot of AEW. Uh, Jeff Hardy's music will be back tomorrow night. The end ever after theme. Ooh. So I I'm just stoked about that because love that theme missed it ever since he's been back i've just been waiting for him to bring it back and you know this is good this is uh, this is great i i'm i'm just very excited to hear that theme again on uh wwe television might actually give me a reason to watch the show now it's been uh it's been a while since i've actually sat down and watched a full two two hour smackdown or three hour raw especially with just the amount of content you can get online it's it's really easy to recap that thing but um, you know what? I've I've been all in on AEW and all Elite Wrestling since it started, and uh, canceled uh, my personal WWE Network subscription on the New Year, and so my my actual uh, consumption of the WWE product has has come down significantly. Well, the numbers uh, show that you are not alone. Twenty uh, <laughs> uh, with that take, but um, AEW. It, we're recording this on a Thursday night. They had another episode of Dynamite from dailies out down there in jacksonville um love this venue i think it's the best venue for these no fan shows it's just cool um i i love the i love the setup um they brought back the opening this week which fantastic i i i hate when these professional wrestling companies do not have and use their intro video It, it drives me up the wall like we we got pyro back in 2019 we need to bring back these videos where it's just like they jump right into the action like welcome to blah 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 and you're like okay the how do you how are you supposed to get excited about this no 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 no. Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong like a cold open or something and then you get to the intro but you need the intro package you need the video package i want to hear um that's dynamite like that's what i need i need to get uh, psyched up for each episode and i am very glad that they brought it back this week. Did you notice? Do you notice when they don't use the 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 intro video? Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Okay. No, I, I hear exactly what you're saying there actually. But on, on your earlier point there with Daly's place, you're absolutely right. It is such a unique atmosphere. Uh, when everything does eventually go back to normal, I have to make uh, the effort to catch an AW show at Daly's place or really anything at Daly's place. It just seems like such a cool venue. At one point on Dynamite, you could see the sun setting with the palm right. trees in the background. It's just such an open atmosphere. Uh, but yeah, though, and of course, when you're talking about those those cold open videos, the one thing that AEW has done so well uh, with this TNT 
TNT tournament are these sort of vignette packages. And yes. uh, again, it sets you up for the show again uh, d- with Double or Nothing, which is just around the corner now, May 23rd. It's amazing how fast these days are going away. Um, uh, I guess regard- regardless of whether you're at home or enjoying it. <laughs> but uh, these, it, it's crazy how fast the, this uh, pay-per-view has come up. Uh, and yeah, the, the TNT tournament has just been so well put together, despite the fact that I think, I don't, I don't know about you, Chase, but I think when the brackets first came out, it was kind of, you kind of knew where this was going. The yes. Cody versus Lance, Lance, sorry, uh, storyline was very, very much embedded into this tournament. And yet they did such a good job of presenting it and a little bit of doubt here and there in some of the matches, Sammy and Darby, even Darby and Cody, uh, some doubt there, but for the most part, they've just done such a great job of putting together this tournament, despite the fact that you kind of knew where it was going. So I've, I've really enjoyed it. I like the layers of the Cody, Cutie Marshall, Brandy Rhodes, Archer, Jake the Snake, like just the different levels where, I mean, you have them, t- uh, Sean Spears talking about how that, I mean, just like you add in Sean Spears, who has a history, obviously, with Cody too, and I'll get to Sean Spears and MJF in a second, but I love how <laughs> blended together everything felt and how real and how it just, it didn't feel like this was way too convoluted that they have all these different cast of characters um, feeling a certain type of way about each other. But like what Archer did last week to Dustin and then Sean responding and saying his career is over. And then um, Brandy going after Jake and then Jake putting the snake on Brandy this week and Archer (laughs) going after uh, QT and taking him down. And like, I I love just all the different levels. And then Brandy being like, I I, I don't need Cody. I'm going to do this myself. I know the story goes. Um, and it backfired on her. Like, I just, I think they've done a very good job of setting up this huge final matchup between Archer and Cody. And I really could see them going both ways. But I mean, I think ultimately they go Cody just because losing the big match to MJF, losing to Jericho, losing um, right the big matches as much as he has based on the fact that they were really emphasizing on commentary that he's the number one in the company right now. That I, I just... I don't think they're going to pull the rug out from under him uh, against Archer. And I, Archer has just been incredible. Like I, he is, he's so good. Like the big guys in this company are all so good. Like him, Lee and um, Warlock, who is also awesome. And we don't see enough of him, but he's great. And I, uh, I don't know. I just, I think they could go either way, but I'm leaning Cody because it's just, it's going to be so hard to get him back up to this level of momentum if you have him lose to Archer here and lose the big one for the secondary title. I just, I don't think you can do that. Yeah, they've done such a good job of building up uh, Cody's momentum, and they should because the guy's over like like crazy, right? And it's funny, when I first did the the bracket, my buddy... I get when this started, I had Lance Archer beating uh, Cody, but as this went on and as this continues to develop, you, you kind of get the sense that Cody really needs the win here, but also you get the sense that, um, you know, with the seven and one record, uh, him, they talked about it on, on dynamite there too. The fact that yes, he still cannot, uh, challenge for the AEW championship, but he's still ranked number one. It, it really sets up the title. It's, in the world title picture right so uh i that the 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 loss of the tournament final doesn't really i don't think it would really hurt him 
him in any sort of way because they've just done a good job of setting him up. Uh, and you're right about Brandy. Uh, it, it's funny to think back about uh, the Nightmare Collective. It wasn't yeah. all that long ago. Not just Cody's wife, but in that sort of corporate, she she acknowledges the brand marketing officer role that she does. That that's that's her wheelhouse, right? She's so good at this. Uh, the snake part was uncomfortable, but I guess <laughs> it went on that's for a little too how long. They drew that was it up, the only so. thing. Or I was just like, man, they're really <laughs> trying to fill up some time here because it was like a minute and a half of him just dropping the snake in different yeah. areas. I, it was, and he's a slow mover anyway. Jake's a little. I'm, I'm not sure how. <laughs> Well, you know, there's there. I mean, there's a lot of talk about whether Jake should be there or not uh, to begin with, uh, given you know his age, and, and you know there was a lot of talk about that with Jim Ross too. But uh, I just felt like uh, bringing back the snake and just adding adding just a little bit more stakes to that match uh, just just really drives home how important that first TNT uh, title should be. Yeah, I need a hawk for Archer. I need for him to learn how to. Um... <laughs> I don't know what you call a person who a, a handler who has a, a hawk handler. Can we can we do that? Is that is that the correct verbiage to describe someone who can uh, use a hawk like that? I don't know what to to call that person, but I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> that would be cool. We need to bring a hawk for him. Um, but he's also just great, and I also just like the line of "Don't beep with people you don't know" from Brandy, where yep, it was just very serious, and like this is a much better version of Brandy than. Nightmare Collective and the other stuff where it just it was bad but also AEW deserves credit for just dropping stuff when it doesn't work <laughs> just realizing okay we tried it didn't work we're pulling we're pulling back on this like this is just not something that uh, is going to work long term we're like whatever we learned our lesson and a lot of companies don't do that they're just like nope we're going to be stubborn this is something we want to get over and this is something that we believe in and Brandy was getting a lot of time and a lot of opportunities early on to try and get the Nightmare Collective over and it just wasn't. And they finally moved on and things changed, which is good. We never have to revisit it. Never talk about it again. Never do any of that. And I think uh, she's in a much better place here. And I think this works um, a lot better. I think it was just a very strong Jake rebuttal. And I just think they're doing such a great job of setting up Archer versus Cody at Double or Nothing. Um, what did you think of Kazarian versus Mox? Because I think commentary did a great job in this match, um, pointing out that uh, this was the first singles match for Kazarian since January 2019. I thought that was interesting. Um, but I, I loved Moxley like asking for Kazarian to slap him in this match. I love him talking as he's coming out for his match where he's just like back to work and just he feels like a star. He works like a star. He made Kazarian look great here. Um, there were some scary spots where Mox took a weird spot um, in the corner at one point. Kaz looked like he fell on his head where he, that that spot where he was selling his knee um, early on. It was actually his head <laughs> I, when he when they tossed him over um, onto the uh, just the the ring apron, and it just it looked dangerous and not great. But um, I don't know. I just he used it on prettier, which I marked out for. I won't lie. Like Kazarian <laughs> had a, a prettier spot, which I'm I'm here for. Um, but yeah, I thought this was this was good. Having Mox back is good, and it's just he. Is, I mean, what more can you say about him? He's he's just great. He's a great world champion. 
He, well, he's an absolute star, especially when there's a crowd. The crowd just loves the guy. Uh, his entrance uh, without the crowd doesn't work as well. But then he's kind of able to talk to the to the camera, like you right. said there, uh, and and that that comes off very well too. Uh, the first thing I thought about when that match started was Frankie Kazarian has hair. Uh, <laughs> that threw me for a bit of a loop and kind of. I saw some comparisons to him and I saw some comparisons to him and Randy Orton and I couldn't unsee it Mm. after that. But, um, (laughs) I thought, I thought the match was great. I mean, Kazarian's, uh, you know, he's no spring chicken. That guy's got experience out the wazoo, but yeah, the fact that he hasn't been in a singles match in that long, it was, was certainly interesting. Uh, I liked the fact that they were chain wrestling, uh, in the beginning there. I certainly didn't see that coming. Yep. Yep. But I also liked that the, uh, the dirty deeds, the, uh, the DDT there, sorry, uh, what does he go by paradigm now there? Shifts, sir. The paradigm shift, sir. The paradigm shift, sir. I like that that just closed out the match. Just one of those, boom, done, and it happened real fast. And just like that, the match is over, Mox, is, Mox wins, right? So uh, I really did enjoy uh, that finish to it. But I, I, long, I, I understand that, uh, to be honest, I like a little meatier matches. I like that sort of grueling pace too. And there was a lot of that. And there is a lot of that with Moxley's matches. We saw that against Jake Hager. That was a match that kind of divided a lot of people because it was slow and grueling. Uh, I, I tend to kind of like those matches. So uh, this worked again. And then, of course, we got Brody Lee with the attack after uh, uh, number 10. Beefy number 10 there in the Dark Order showing up. Uh, he's getting a former Heisman, they say. I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was interesting to see the Dark Order and Brody League get thrust themselves sort of into that world title picture so quickly. Uh, but in the short-term sort of stopgap, I think it totally works. Yeah, I mean, I think Moxie's just going to go through all the, the top big heels in the company. Yeah. Like he's getting a long yeah. reign, and he's just got to beat all of them. And... um. His line, dude, all you had to do was ask after the beatdown was, was great. <laughs> Mox is just good. He's good at com- He's good at the comedy stuff. He's good at just the deadpan humor. But um, it is interesting that they went that route. And there was a headshot from Brody Lee that he delivered in this uh, program leading up to him getting out there. But he brought up the fact that uh, uh, Moxley was an orphan. Like, there was a lot of interesting things that he mm-hmm. brought about. But um, I don't know. I, I do wonder how long they put this on and like Brody Lee out of all the big guys, I would say is the least interesting in the ring. But you, if you're going to give him this huge platform with the exalted one and all this kind of stuff that you just kind of have to thrust him into the, the title feud um, earlier then maybe you would have wanted to, but like this, this will be fine. I think they'll have a good match. I, I think there's a 0% chance Brody wins, but this is, uh, just more stuff for Mox to do over the the coming months, and I think he has a match against Daniels next week, right? Isn't that uh, on the docket? I'm not sure if that has been confirmed yet. No, I thought it was uh, uh, Daniels versus Brody Lee next week. Oh yeah, sorry, I thought you meant Mox. Yes, oh no, 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 yes. no, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Which, which makes sense, of course, because them and the SCU have been going at it for what seems like forever now. Yeah. Uh, it, it's crazy to, to think about how long the Dark Order have been, have been around and sort of near that, hovering around the top, but not until Brody Lee have they. I mean, I just remember that episode of Dynamite where they attacked the Elite, sort of nothing happened from it. Uh, and obviously with uh, Uno and Grayson not able to... Uh, 
to take part, uh, Brody kind of steps in there. And you're right. There's, there's almost a 0% chance he wins that. My, my, my question to you then is you, you mentioned how you expect Mox to go through all the, the heels. Where do you think this, you know, where does this end? Is it MJF? Is that where this ends for Mox or, or how do you see that going for him? No, I, I think it ends with Omega. Oh, Omega. Okay, that'll be good. I mean, good. that's how they started <laughs> all like of this, that. is if you remember yep. when he debuted, it was an Omega thing. And I I think the money is in Omega beating Mox. I don't think... I, I love MJF24. He's he's not even oozing with potential. He's not the next great one. He's the current great one, um, as he talked about this week. Uh, love MJF. I don't think the time... I, I don't think he he needs to be the one to beat Mox. I think his big win against Cody was enough to to just give him enough for right now. He does you don't need to rush him to the top of the ladder. And I think they do a good job of organizing their roster where Darby Allens of the world, um the Jungle Boys of the world, uh just guys who are in their mid 20s, they're like, yeah, look, we're not going to shoot you to the moon. We're going to like Cody talks about. It. I think this is something that he thinks about too is that wrestlers primes not until they're 35 to 40 years old. And I think he takes that seriously and I think that's what they're going to focus on at the top of the card is the people who put in the time, like the Omegas, the Moxleys, the Cody's people like that. And I think they're not going to rush it. They're going to be smart about MJF. They clearly love the guy. He's an insane talent, but you don't have to elevate him to that extent and have him beat Mox. I, I don't think you have to do that. And I just think the money is in a huge 30 minute standoff between Mox and Omega. But I, I my guess would be that would be the final payoff is the person to take Mox's title would be Omega. And he's been on a huge run himself there. I just read right. that interview where he talked about, you know, getting back to that main event thing or the fact that he had never left too. And uh, he even hinted that, 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 that time of him being in the main event guy is sooner or is, is coming sooner than you think there. So uh, I, I love Kenny. I think that you're, you're, you're bang on there. I thought that, you know, pre COVID that's where this was all heading was back yeah. to double or nothing where Moxley debuted, bring back the poker chips, baby. Let's, let's get them back up on there. Uh, but uh, obviously things, things got thrown for, for a bit of a loop and this is where we are, but yeah, no, I think that's bang on. I saw a lot of people saying that it was going to be MJF. Uh, I just, uh, I think you're right. He's he, him and Sammy and Darby there. You kind of forget that they're 24 in and yeah. around that age. Unreal. Unreal. They've got time. And I think this company is smart about it. Not even mentioned Jericho getting the right. Like, it's just, I don't think they're going to rush any of those guys. They're going to not bury them. They're, yeah. they're just not going to, hand them the keys right now i just i don't see that being the way that they're operating um which is which is fine because i think they're honest with it i I think it's fine um something i don't know was fine though was omega being the one to get pinned this week to close the show i thought the closing visual uh with the inner circle being on uh the jumbotron and jacksonville stadium and uh just all of them posing together was cool and i i mean it made sense that the inner circle when a match like this uh, where they can all get involved and that's what they ended up doing. But I just, why not just have Matt Hardy take the pin there? I, I don't know why they had to have Omega be <laughs> the one to take the pinfall there. I think that was a bad idea. Um, that being a closing visual. Well, it was, too. it was Matt Hardy's. Oh, go ahead. 
sorry, no, it was Matt Hardy's debut. And yeah. I think that's sort of basically all that you chalk it up to. And I mean, for Sammy, I mean, there's a guy who's obviously young, all the potential in the world. And some people have complained or have said that he, uh, you know, he's been taking too many losses. And in this tag team with Jericho as the sex gods, boom, yeah. there's a checkmark win for them. Matt doesn't take the pinfall in his opening match. And Kenny, I don't think he really hurts himself. That moonsault, the the, the golf crazy. cart, my God, yeah. the golf cart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a lot of cool spots in this. I thought Kenny throwing Sammy into the um, garage door was really cool. And just the crowd atmosphere and having the little kids watch as Sammy Guevara Ooh. gets thrown around. Um, and I'm like one of the biggest Sammy Guevara guys in the world. But um, I just... Matt Hardy, he stinks like in the ring. Like he, there's just no value. Like his value is not there. Um, I, I did love him changing gear mid match. Yes. That was yes. great. Um, <laughs> he does his best. Like that's the thing is Matt Hardy does his best. Um, I, I just, there's no, you don't need to protect Matt Hardy from any losses. Like this guy should eat a lot of pins in AEW. He just should. Um, his value is he, not He affected. most likely will. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's just, I would not have Kenny Omega be getting pinned anytime soon. So I just, I would not have that visual. And then you also compound that with the fact that he had that long match um, with a enhancement talent. I guess, what was that, last week, mm-hmm. two weeks ago? It all blends together now. Um, and people were riled yep. up about the fact that Kenny had to do so much to beat him. And um, I didn't really think much of that. But it, it is just something where th- these are the easy things to avoid. You just... You just go, hmm, someone in creative at the, when they're like, who gets the pinfall here? Someone just says, well, it doesn't matter. Let's just do Omega. And you're like, well, let's just have Hardy. Like what, what value does it? Like, I just, if we're going to have inner circle go over and have that visual, just have it be over Matt Hardy, the guy that literally will never hold a top title and never will amount. Like he's just, he's there to help. He's just one of the veterans there to help. Um, the QD Marshall, Dustin Rhodes level where it's just they're never going to win the new big ones they're just going to have some interesting feuds some good promos and all that kind of stuff but like they're not someone you're building around or having to ever worry about protecting you have to protect kenny omega like he's still the person outside of him and mox like those are the two that you protect at all costs and i just i don't understand why you give him the loss that's all i would that's all i would have changed about impact or impact uh all i would have changed about dynamite (laughs) this week uh, I'm just, I'm not sure the shelf life on it really, really. I mean, I, at the end That's of the fair. day, I, I, I've totally forgot who took that pinfall. Uh, <laughs> by the end of it, all I remembered was the inner I'm circle flipping off the camera <laughs> in, in the football, in the football stadium. And of course the, the golf cart. but no, I understand what you're saying. I'm not sure Matt Hardy is on the level of QT Marshall though. That's not, or Marshall. You're right. QT uh, Marshall let's not, let's not than Matt Hardy in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're killing me. Well, I mean, he is he's he's in great shape. He doesn't move as well as he used to, but uh his 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 drama, his theater is 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 just top-notch, right? So it, it makes it a bit of a draw. I understand that Damascus as a character or broken Matt Hardy can be a bit much, which is why I like that he's sort of blended in the Matt Hardy character. He was even, like, extreme for whatever reason <laughs> for halfway through the match. I love that he was changing costumes. So uh, I'm not sure that he's ever going to be that. That was great. Yes, that was great. I love that Jericho whipped out a bag of ice and smashed it over his head. Yeah. Everything about that match, and it escalated in such a way that, you know, by the time the golf cart and the moonsault from Kenny, like, it's just such a such a memorable match. The, the pinfall just sort of falls to the wayside. Yeah, it probably is how it is for most people. Um, I'm alone there. Uh, my favorite thing in my notes in this show <laughs> was uh, 
I thought Sean Spears and MJF have really good chemistry. Like them on screen they together, do. Yeah. they they work. Um, and I hope they do something with them. And I think Sean is just he's good, and he um, I think he, he can do more. This company, I I just I enjoyed it. Like <laughs> MJF looking at him, you're you're great, man, and then just like making a face because like it, Sean just talking <laughs> about his time in AEW and all this kind of stuff and. MJF just pretending that he's on his side, but also just like Sean's been kind of a loser in AEW and as one big one. And then just the chairman stuff feels like forever ago. And he like Sean thinks that MJF's his boy and all this kind of stuff. But like MJF is just incredible. I, everything about MJF, he had two promos here, like his spit take when he found out he had a match at double or nothing and <laughs> losing it at Tony and um, everything about it is just great. Like I just, mjf and sean give them more promo time and i think you know what make him a tag team or let him uh, let uh, another mini stable like we have death triangle with lucha bros and Pac. let's get uh wardlaw um mjf and sean spears let's get them in a triangle there we go why not let's do it like they're great no i love it i think it's great um yeah it was just one of those things again that just sort of born out of circumstance right like it all sort of started there when the uh when the pandemic first hit and the no fans uh thing started and it was mjf and sean spears gambling ringside mm -hmm. and just sort of stealing the show for that episode of dynamite right and, and i mean yeah you're right the 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 every every single stable three men stable is seems to be a thing here in AEW so that would totally make sense but i mean hey sean spears was looking for a tag party partner already uh I, I enjoyed those skits actually it's uh I, i'm assuming that's all done here i was actually kind of surprised to see him going after cody again but then again i i, I did sense. like it i thought the promo line. was good yeah it totally does uh and he he has kind of come and gone a little bit but as the pandemic uh, and you know the roster has shrunk a little bit, and they've they have leaned on him quite a bit. He's been on a lot of episodes of Dark and Dynamite, and uh, yeah, he's 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 really good. He's always been really good, uh, but this sort of heelish, jerkish uh, attitude and, and persona he's taken on with MJF fits perfectly. And Wardlow just kind of standing there, but he can <laughs> work. Tough. Wardlow has a lot to offer. <laughs> yeah. That dude's good. He is a good professional. I enjoy wrestler. I enjoy Wardlow. I enjoy the the move that he does. I I love his music. It's a banger of a song. True. Uh, when he comes out there, that that gets me going. So uh, I'd like to see him work a little longer. But in the meantime, just keep feeding him, keep feeding him jobbers. I'll watch him toss them around all day. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, him Archer. I, I don't get tired of it. Like both of them. Yeah, are no, fine. Machines. They're they're nope. great. Um, MJF. We also Works learned he's a lefty. Uh, this week did not realize that and i'm a lefty so i'm already of a course he is of course guy. he is though yeah i love it he's in <laughs> he's a lefty he's holding it and i was like oh man i'm all in i was already all in on mjf but um now i'm even more so because he was holding his uh glass of wine his goblet of wine with his left hand and then the 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 uh chair change was just great like it, it looked ridiculous but yes. putting on the the new the new throne versus his just little chair before was just a nice little touch everything about mjf and the way they book him and the way they just hand him a microphone or like and are just like you know what go do your thing and uh he always knocks it out of the park like that guy is just he's money and that line of i just being the big thing instead of the next big thing is is great like everything he does it he touches turns to gold so I'm a big fan. Um, what are you? What are you most looking forward to at Double or Nothing on, on the card right now, as it stands? What are you most excited about? Uh, 
Uh, honestly, it has to be that TNT uh, title match. Yeah. Uh, Cody and Lance has been one of the best uh, built matches we've seen here. Uh, they announced that uh, that ladder match Very uh, for a number one contendership spot. Oh, yes. Anytime you get to see a ladder match, that's a train wreck I'm, I'm signing up for. But yeah, no, Cody and Lance has just been such a well-built angle. And I, again, we talked about it at the start of this show here. Uh, this was something that you knew was going to happen. It was preordained. And yet they did such a good job with it that I want to see it. And um, I mean, it isn't to run down any of the other matches, but uh, so far, this is definitely the one that's caught my eye the most. I'm just bummed that it won't be in front of the crowd because Jungle Boy MJF would just get a yep. ridiculous reaction. Cody versus Lance would get a ridiculous reaction. Uh, Mox and Lee, uh, I don't think necessarily, but also just Mox coming out um, in front of a crowd always gets yes. the ladder yep. match. We don't we don't know anybody who's going to be in it as of right now, right? No, no, not at all. And that's just going to add to the intrigue there. But yeah, the anytime you it's it's you mentioned the Lucha Bros and Pac there, and man, I can't believe how much I miss those guys because this that sort of match would be perfect for them. But I'm not sure again if the with travel restrictions if that's even possible. So yeah. it's it's tough. Yeah, it sucks. Um, and they mentioned Young Bucks and Page, yeah. and I like that they're not running from the COVID realities. Um, I, I appreciate. Yeah, no, they talk about it. Yeah, that's good. Just being um, transparent, I think, is is better for fans. The only thing that's not on this card yet is uh, the women's title match, and neither Rose had another right. squash this week. Um, I. It seems like she's going to get a long reign, but you know what they did such a great job of was moonlighting who the the most intriguing prospects are right now like rio just feels like she's just out of the yep. picture altogether but like hikaru shida who well she is yeah. i very much enjoy statlander um had her ups and downs since coming over but she's talented penelope ford finally now getting in the mix and she's got finally, a lot of live yeah. morgan energy i think that uh <laughs> could work for them uh and she's just very different than what else they have and then dr Britt baker has just been such a great heel um i'm very excited to see how that for fatal four-way goes because it's it seems unlikely that um, Nyla Rose drops the title anytime soon. So I kind of selfishly don't want Hikaru to win next week because I would rather her be the one to eventually take down Nyla. And I think it's just too soon to have Nyla drop the belt. So if I was booking things, I would have Penelope win. I would have Penelope be the next challenger and just to see what that reaction looks like and how they work. Um, and she can take the loss. I don't think it really matters. I don't think she's that kind of, professional wrestler where it's going to matter her wins and losses all that much but i uh i don't know i think it's going to be interesting to see how those four work and i another time where it's just like i wish the crowd was going to be in effect because i would love to see the different reactions between the the four of them and how the crowd would have uh gone that uh with the whoever wins it so it's unfortunate but i'm excited about the match itself yeah, no, the the fatal four ways actually that that's going to be fantastic, and uh, it's the the women's title picture is obviously taking a bit of a backseat, and that's against all all circumstance here. Uh, it was nice, it was really nice to see Nyla Rose back. Uh, nice to see the belt again. Nice to see the package just setting up some of these women again. Hikaru Shida has been on an absolute terror uh, by all accounts. She should be the one to take out Nyla, but I agree. I mean, May 23rd is just around the corner. It does seem a little soon for Nyla, who just feels like she's just, just coming back now. Uh, and as far as that squash match goes, that was a good squash match. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed every bit of that actually. So, um, 
but yeah, I mean, Statlander would also work too. I think Penelope Ford's a good uh, a good pick too. They they would also put on a really entertaining match, either one of them. Uh, but yeah, they they finally kind of had some more people in the building, and I felt like between this match and then what they set up with Brandy and Britt too, uh, they they were finally able to get a couple more storylines going on the women's side, which has definitely been been lacking without a champion, right? And, and uh, I was just just it was just such a just such a relief and a breath of fresh air to see that back on dynamite again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, this has been great. Um, is there anything else you would like to, uh, plug before we get out of here tonight? <laughs> no, no, no. I got nothing to plug these days, man. <laughs> nothing to plug out there in Edmonton. Nothing, uh, for that. Oh, newspaper? well, you know, I'm, uh, Working for the Edmonton Journal and the Edmonton yeah. Sun. If you're interested in uh, in catching up with what I do here, I write a really ridiculous weather story in the morning. <laughs> okay. There we go. Actually, no, it's it's a weird story. I actually got interviewed by a New York magazine for it. Uh, it was just one of these one of these weird things that goes viral in Edmonton because the weather here. That's all anybody talks about, right? So. <laughs> It's just cold. We just assume it's just like Hoth from Star Wars. That's... Oh, no, no, no. It's it's all over the place, man. You have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I believe you. You're there. But that doesn't mean that's not how I'm going to think of like if it could be mid-July and someone's like, I wonder what Edmonton's like. I'm be like, probably frozen. Honestly, probably we're, frozen. We're lucky right now. We're, we're, we've completely avoided wildfire season, but uh, we're told it's still coming. So it's not good. It's never good. <laughs> well, fingers crossed that it does not get like that. And uh, Yes. We get a little bit of a break, but, um, Trevor, this has been great. I appreciate you making the time tonight. Um, we can follow you on Twitter at Trevor Rob underscore, and we can keep up with your weather reports, the Edmonton journal and the Edmonton sun and all that great stuff. Trevor, thank you so much. Stay safe. And we'll have to do this again soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the chase Thomas podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you, uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, if you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, it helps the show continue to grow, and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, you can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Um, for as little as $5 a month, it helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas. You could go to chase Thomaspodcast.com, which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever, um, links to everything that you need. Um, and all of my writing that, uh, I'm doing fairly often these days, um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, so go read me on that front. So if you're not tired of listening to me, you can also read me. Um, so that's awesome. But, uh, I think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode. Uh, I hope you continue listening. That would be great. And uh, I will talk to you all again very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.